0: Governance doesn't always mean power. But in the case of this Web3 and Web2, I see that as a place of practicing power. And as we are aware of in comparison to Web2, Web3 is really focused on looking at moving governance away from one main body or entity or organization or individual and having that be negotiated among multiple parties involved in it.
1: Hello and welcome to the People of Web3 podcast, where we talk to creators, builders, and thought leaders in the Web3 space. We explore and unpack ideas, values, and strategies that hopefully can help all of us navigate this Web3 movement with a bit more purpose and clarity. If this sounds interesting to you, then feel free to subscribe. But other than that, please enjoy the episode.
2: Welcome, everyone, back to the People of Web3 podcast. I'm your co-host Frank and with me my other co-host Blaine. Hello Blaine, how are you doing? I'm
1: doing good Frank.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And a very special guest Njoki from Kenya but currently based in Vancouver, Canada. Hello Njoki, how are you?
0: Hi Frank and Blaine.
2: Howdy. Can you tell a bit about you um before you step into web3 and then how you got into the space
0: mm-hmm. yes we're right into intros okay yes. well <laughs> as you heard um, hello everyone my name is Ki. i use she and her pronouns so if you're referring to me or talking about me i am currently as you heard located on the traditional ancestral and unceded land of the Musqueam. Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. Really grateful to have the opportunity to be a guest on the land and territories here and to continue to learn about my contribution and responsibility and in indigenous self-determination, both here and also in my place of birth, Kenya, and largely, largely in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, yeah. I'm someone who's for years been influenced and grateful to have the opportunity to have been born into a family of farmers or people that's steward land which continues to inform my. love and passion for the economic empowerment and sovereignty of indigenous farming communities and what that means to me is using my skills in storytelling. Which can also be translated into policy and advocacy and to share about the work of multiple communities, but also to understand skill sets about on researching narrative writing narrative shifting power dynamics money and how money is a factor of. Influence, I was looking for another word apart from domination, Mm -hmm. uh, influence. So my studies have taken me into learning about global environmental policies, specifically within the larger field of international development. But to me, as I think back into the experiences I had through school, but also my work experiences in public health, in philanthropy, now in philanthropy and Web3, what I see as connecting dots is the question of what else is possible when we think about our imagination or our relationship to power and money, apart from what we already know or what we already practice, and how is it, how is it that we can imagine and build worlds where farmers and farming communities are empowered uplifted and celebrated uh, for their stewarding of the land but are also given protected rights for the work that they do and the places they are located so that's that's the guiding or research questions that i have in my heart
1: interesting yeah one thing that you mentioned there was responsibilities um this is a question i kind of think about personally but also i think about it from like a species level as well, humans. What are the responsibilities, the main ones that you see in your brain when it comes to humans and kind of living here on planet earth? What are some of those core responsibilities that, that we have as humans to, uh, you know, as living on this planet?
3: Mm.
0: <clears throat> wow. Uh, I would say thank you for the question. One responsibility as simple as in my sound, I think it's so profound is to listen, to listen. Uh, often I have observed at least from my study of the theory of environmental policy, but also in communication with people that work on land or work with other forms of nature that they're in that direct form. Is that the, our relationship as human beings with planet Earth is informed with we know we tell we tell the story for the Earth, or we tell the story as separate from the Earth on top of the Earth, or we use the Earth to tell the story that we the stories we prefer to hear. But one of the responsibilities that to me is so key is to listen to the Earth, and that takes multiple forms. I don't think this is something, like, out there, hard to access. I believe that the simple act of choosing to slow down in our practices of production output, yeah, And legacy building a legacy choosing to slow down in those endeavors gives us the opportunity to listen better and listening can translate into us collaborating with people with whom we think we have differences and learning about their perspectives of what they're hearing from the earth. And in that way, building from that place of collaboration, but listening can also include. Understanding how some of the skills that we don't think are useful Oh, some of the
3: hmm,
0: this is going to sound tender some of the ways that we consider some human bodies disposable simply because there is narratives of domination but also because we have this lens of what it is to live in a body that is disabled Mm -hmm. listening to the earth gives us the opportunity to see that those bodies are listening differently we all are. And I think I'm learning a lot from the work of Professor Abayo Komolafe, who speaks on um, these bodies of that are living with disabilities are listening to something different. And we're so used to perfecting, quote, unquote, Mm -hmm. the life we're in or the life we're living, that we think of them as disposable. And what are we missing out on by not listening through others to the earth?
1: Yeah, interesting. So there's like this uh, disconnect between, there's a lot of disconnections at the moment, I think between humans and other humans for kind of arbitrary reasons in a lot of ways, disconnect between us and the planet. And I think that disconnection is means that it's harder for us to listen to one another. Cause it's obviously harder to listen if you're disconnected from one another. But if we can connect and listen, we can see, uncover some, I guess, challenges that we're facing and, and uncover some new solutions, um, which is kind of important. And it comes back to kind of listening. I think that's a really, really fundamental one. um, How does that, because that makes sense to, I think, everyone who would be listening, whether you're on Web 2 or Web 3, but when it comes to the kind of the listening, the kind of connecting and coming up with I don't know solutions to problems that exist how does that translate into the web 3 world like where does web 3 come into this process
3: Hmm.
0: I've well I'm not assuming to be right in any of these responses so what I observe is that Some of the frameworks of web three are similar or simply a a reproduction of ancient technologies of listening and and operating, including the idea of decentralization. I don't think there is something particularly grand (laughs) about some of the facets of web three. So how web three comes into this is It's like a mirror. We are are able to trace back into the technologies that have served many of our communities to thrive and live and outlive so much. And now it's just that those technologies of decentralization, transparency that looks different, are now interfacing with a new form of physical technology, new form of mind technology, like gotten from the earth and created into something so mind. Um, so in terms of how I think of Web3 intersecting to, to the practices I was speaking to, it is an opportunity for us to recognize that these patterns are, are, are part of the planet. And we have an opportunity to maybe scale them through the use of the computers that we have, as well as the opportunity to scale them through the ways we are so easily connected now, based on the use of the internet and other planet, other social media platforms. So, I don't see that. Um, I don't see that something particularly grand that is, you know, all revered. But I do see that if we were to listen, to build on Web3 while listening to the Earth, there's an opportunity to learn at us, to learn about where we could do better, but also learn, like, get cheat codes. (laughs) We get cheat codes from the Earth, you know, so we don't have to repeat things um, and have to take credit for things that we really didn't invent. Mm -hmm
2: yeah is there any projects um that you're a part of right now that you're working on and maybe that will be um an easier way to for us to understand what you're doing and what you're planning to do with the new technology
3: mm-hmm. yes
0: well for one oh this one is still in the works but with one of my current organizations. Um, The contract is wrapping up, but literally today I spoke with my colleague. And we found a way to conclude the contract in a, in a way that felt more beautiful. And, and in terms of Web3, we were thinking about how, how do we speak about power? in Web3, how do we, as I was speaking about storytelling as an ancient technology, right? So in my head, I call it restoring power, like not restoring, but a story with a Y, restoring power. And thinking of how, you know, there is a tendency to consider a Web3 in like this neutral, oh my goodness, something's new. It, we have like, it's impacting the world. And recently I was listening to Professor Ruha Benjamin speaking about yet we speak about technology, as you know, impacting us, but we often forget that we are the, we are producing the inputs for these technology, we are inputting into it. And so what my project at the moment is this project that I've just spoken about is looking at how. How we can reimagine power through Web3 you know how the frameworks of it, the structures of it, help us reimagine power, but how we can also question the the narratives we have about the power we hold in terms of influencing Web three and who who has power to influence, who has power to build in it. So it's more of a storytelling project that really centers on you are still relevant and influential in building this technology. You are not separate you are not just a separate entity, you are not just being impacted by it, but you have a, p- a place of power in this in this technology and how can you restory what it means for you to be a contributor of a new. A newer way
3: of working mm. in the world.
1: Okay let's let's maybe double click on that because um. You said a couple of interesting things so that the power thing power in web two versus web three but also around you know we th- should think of power differently because we all have an input in this movement and um i think with this whole ai stuff people are starting to see i guess the relationship between a good input and a good output so you know if we every action we're doing even this podcast is an input towards this movement in some way uh mm-hmm. if you're a developer that's an input if you're using okay. a DAP, that's an input um how how do you think about power then in web 3 um mm. uh, compared to kind of web 2 like what are how do you think about it um and um yeah how do you think about power in web 3 yeah
0: well i feel like i'll learn a lot more as i conclude as i mm. start this project for now I am um, moved to see the conversations that, and actual the implementations of different, to me, one of the ways that I think about power in Web3 versus Web2 is naturally around governance. Um, well, not all, huh. governance doesn't always mean power, but in the case of this Web3 and Web2, um, I see that as a place of practicing power and as we are aware of, in comparison to Web 2, Web 3 is really focused on looking at moving governance away from one main body or entity or organization or individual, and having that be negotiated among multiple parties involved in it. Um, And obviously there's so many hiccups, (laughs) being part of a DAO myself, there is so much patience in yeah. terms of oh my god decision making and it can be very
1: fresh it can be very frustrating i mean frank like we're, we've all been on kind of participate in a DAO or something here there's a lot of i mean we're f- figuring it out as we go so it, you know there's a lot of bugs but part of a greater vision sorry about it in there sorry yeah oh no no
3: worries
0: and it's easy for people to discredit that this will work simply because it's at the moment not as "quote unquote" efficient as we're used to. Um, there isn't much of a template to work from. Um, but also, we can be aware of so much that is accepted today was at one point someone's imagination, and that's something I learned, you know, listening to. the the artists at the Wakanda Dream Lab there, I remember one of them, Calvin, I believe it was Calvin Williams saying, you are living inside someone's imagination. So when I think of Web3 and Web2, I think that this is a place of practicing power. It's a place of imagining, reimagining power and taking Taking time to build out new frameworks, um, being patient with one another, negotiate being being upfront and transparent about who what does it mean that I hold this amount of token, this amount of token distribution in this group. So what I see as a difference there is there is more willingness to converse about the dynamics that are present a willingness to acknowledge that there are imbalances in power. And something, though, that I'm not seeing (laughs) in either is a conversation around the very formative part of power, which is access in the first place. What I mean by that is I'm not hearing much conversation. Um, There is some of it, but I'm not seeing it having a follow up when people are talking about digital inequity. And those that that is a framework for both. And that is a place of power. When an organization is able to decide that this part of a country just does not get access to internet, or doesn't get affordable access to internet, or this group of people don't own phones that can connect to an internet, including people in prison, That is a conversation I'm not seeing. And when we're talking about moving towards decentralized worlds, um, transparent world, what about the people who are incarcerated, who also have imaginations of power and probably have a real understanding of power imbalance, like a really lived one? Where are they in this conversation? So that for me is, a core part of thinking about power in both movements
1: Mm, to the access part you know who's currently who has access who who currently does have access but I think that is part of the vision that I think inspired a lot of people to move into blockchain was the idea that this is a more fairer system and part of a fairer system is that you know people have access to participate and use it but I think that vision isn't you know, necessarily manifesting completely today, but I do think we're moving in the right direction.
3: Mm-hmm. One,
1: one thing I think about um, when I think of kind of the the intersection of web two impact and web three impact is there's a phrase which kind of is applied in both of these worlds. And that's, well, there's this kind of system change. But in the Web2 Impact world, especially if you're uh, in the environmental space, which is where we, Frank and I, originally came from, um, one phrase that we kind of always see, and if you're kind of of protesting stuff, you often see the signs, it's we don't want climate change, we want system change. And a lot of the people that are interested in Web 3 also want systems change. That effectively is what blockchain is. What... What do you think are the um, systems that need a change um, that you know Web3 could potentially facilitate with? Like in your opinion, obviously money is a, an easy one and you probably touched on governance. Um, what are those kind of those big foundational systems that um, kind of a need uh, and very much in need of an upgrade uh, and potentially Web3 can help with that? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. Well, my team and I would like to call it systems transformation.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We had a reason for that. Uh, I believe it was transformation felt like a like an ongoing practice. Change feels like a It's snap. It's, mm. it's changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so we are in the mission of ongoing practice and I feel for me one place that a system that I consider to be important in terms of change is in capital accumulation and distribution or wealth accumulation and distribution uh, which can be translated into philanthropy it's a wonderful space of impact there is a lot there are a lot of good intentions and there have been wonderful projects throughout years because of philanthropy that have been able to be completed and shift people's lives. I am a beneficiary of a scholarship through a foundation. So the there are lived experiences of impact. However, to get the resources from where they're accumulated to the people that are maybe applying for these grants these scholarships these bursaries has um that journey is not always transparent and it's sometimes quite inefficient having currently working in philanthropy uh, it really breaks my heart when someone applies for a grant only to hear back a year later when the needs are so different and they need some some something different, you know. Mm. Um so when I think of Web3, in how it can intersect with this field, I'm curious to explore, what would it look what would it look like for that capital to not be held by one large body? What if we had multiple sites of capital <laughs> accumulation that had a mutual collaboration you know what if different foundations in one part of perth or one part of hong kong knew each other and were are like okay we are gonna be the ones redistributing um redistributing this money and making it more efficient and making it transparent so that the people who are giving money know how it's gonna come to them when it's gonna come to them who is in who is holding how much and I know there are organizations and people that are thinking of this. I'm thinking of one of the people that I've learned this from, um, Andrew, who's a wonderful leader here in Canada, BC. Um, but also in terms of wealth distribution, to me, <laughs> another part of that where Web3 could be useful is tracing the sources of these this wealth. That is not a small feat. It probably wouldn't get done quickly. But we have to be honest about where money is coming from for it to be given away. Because that changes the conversation on on power and ownership. And I know a lot about Rep3 is around ownership. And sometimes the idea of ownership gives the false assumption of I have right to own this. like I'm the person that deserves to own this, but just because you hold something doesn't mean that you rightfully gained it. And I think web three really will interrupt, interrupt our narratives around wealth accumulation and therefore slowly begin a conversation on what does it mean to center justice in the distribution of that wealth.
1: Hmm. Interesting. There's a couple of things that you said that I'm trying to figure out in my head where I sit on it, mainly around the last part that you said, Um. Hmm. just to, the, the, the bit about tracking. Cause I 100% agree with the, you know, in the world of kind of donating money, uh, giving money to, you know, a, Someone or some project in need. There's a lot of inefficiencies around that. Obviously, there's a lot of good, but there's some room for improvement um around the transparency and around the, you know, it just functioning more effectively so that the money that's been donated actually goes to the causes as opposed to kind of overheads. Um, but the last part where you're tracking it back to the donor themselves, I'm not sure exactly how I sit on that one just because of the privacy um issues because if that's built into the protocol then it's kind of like a a blanket thing that everyone would be traced back and I wonder how if that would add friction to the donation process You know what I yeah
0: mean? I haven't thought much about this I was actually not thinking of individual donors I was thinking more uh, in terms gotcha. of now, so, for example, imagine we have a resource extraction industry that has a foundation component. uh what...
1: So, more the like or like the institutional level, company level. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I haven't thought about individual donors yet, but now I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, because because <laughs> that this um problem is something I've, I've thought about, and just more not philanthropy, even though they're similar, but like. Donations in the environmental wildlife conservation mm-hmm. space. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what you think about. I think we've chatted about this, Frank, the donation thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: But institutions, that makes sense. Individual, I agree, it's a lot of friction and
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, a lot of people they they do like to stay anonymous. Yeah. Um yeah, but institution I, I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. So I'm also just thinking about for the listeners who are listening, um, if they're not yet in, maybe they there are people who are working in the, um, philanthropy, uh, space in Web two, um, how should they get involved or, uh, take advantage of Web three in their practice? Is there any, um, easier steps that you recommend, like? Any pointers you can give to these people? Tips or pointers?
3: Yeah. There are
2: people that we talk to, whether it's mm-hmm. NGOs or um, conservationists and so on, they, of course, very passionate about their courses. Um, they haven't spent much time in learning what Web3 and blockchain is yet. Um, and it's hard for them to learn in a way where it makes sense to them and focuses yeah. on their niche. Um, just from the mainstream publications and what they see on social media. So since um, we have you who, are, who have been in the space for a while and have insights, what are some pointers or tips um, that you can give these people?
0: I, first of all, just want to acknowledge the work that people in philanthropy do. The multiple nonprofit organizations, foundations, profit organizations. There is so much work that all these teams and organizations are doing. And honestly, sometimes just the time just to make time to go for some webinar on philanthropy and AI is difficult. It is difficult. So I first just want to begin by thanking all these all these different teams that I've had the opportunity to work with, but also the ones I know of and haven't ever worked with. I think what I have observed to be helpful from my time is when people establish their own communities of curiosity and practice. So in my current organization, there is a team that meets on Wednesdays, every Wednesday is just different organizations. It's drop in, you can just like come if you have time, you can send someone from the organization who can come and different people present different weeks. So if you have the capacity to present, then you sign up to present. And I think that's one way where, because all of you understand the ecosystem so well, you have such nuanced knowledge to bring into the space And you are learning alongside each other so it's a it's a kind of practice of no one is left behind, but also the solutions you develop. are so relevant to you, you know it's not employing a consultant, not that that's bad but i'm just saying to make the solution relevant you're the ones doing it together and so it's something i've heard. um, From from indigenous leaders say saying nothing about us without us and so if you're gonna and even people in the disability justice community say nothing for us without us so if you're, if the philanthropy movement was to develop solutions and ideas then they need to be the ones who are leading the conversation and not necessarily having to be told what to do about how to change their back systems and grant management systems so Those kinds of meetings, as informal as it might sound, to just have a Wednesday o'clock meeting at one Pacific 1 pm Pacific time, actually, there's been so many cool ideas and collaborations coming out of that. I would also say, because all these organizations often, not often, but sometimes already have opportunities to attend, you know, networking events or conferences and or other forms of gatherings. These are places to have wonderful, fruitful conversations. In May, end of May and June, I was part of um, a 700 people conference, and it was philanthropists across Canada and outside of Canada also who were present. And we had a session on Web3 and emerging tech in philanthropy. We didn't have, the goal was not to have answers and to come out of there with a prototype. But I'm telling you, the amount of wonderful conversations that came out of that have continued. People have followed up by email. And now people are like, you know, willing to engage in the conversation. So just the practice of showing up with curiosity in these gatherings facilitate another opportunity to build networks of practice where we don't have to get things right the first time quote unquote, we just have to try to do it together. Because I felt sometimes so isolated, just trying to learn about Web3 alone. And when I began to join DAOs or join courses like Shifai, where there's a group of women and non-binary people to learn alongside, it made so much of a difference in terms of mm-hmm. the confidence I have just to make mistakes or to admit that I don't know. And I think that can apply also for an organization that is new or feeling removed from the conversation to see themselves as curators of what is possible for them.
1: How did you find those groups? So how did you find the DAOs? How did you find the chi course? So I think that's a good tip, but maybe people will be like, where do I start searching for these spaces?
0: Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of overwhelm. Oh my goodness. I was so overwhelmed in the beginning because I logged into LinkedIn and I'm like, "What are all these Web three things?" But after calming down and taking a deep breath, (laughs) um, I recall that I leaned. I I I was. I asked myself, "Like, who do I trust? Who who do I trust to to like see me see me learning in public?" And thankfully, my supervisor Michelle Baldwin. Has been that person all this time and she introduced me to the first course because she had done it herself and which was with surge women crypto infrastructure and from there just joining that one discord (laughs) i was like able to see all these people and see them posting things and it began to become a fractal where i'm like oh there's another community and like just I feel like no one will say that one person can make a difference, but I feel for me it is if you are if you are willing to ask the question. And I just had to ask the question to Michelle. I'm like, where do I start with this Web three? And she just named it, and I was like, okay. One one Discord
1: made made a difference.
0: It made it honestly. (laughs) I would say no. I would say it's the one question I asked Michelle because I asked. I asked her, I'm like, I don't see myself in Web3 because it sounds so technical. And she's like, no, actually, here is all the ways that social impact connects with it. I'm like, oh, mm. and then she's like, yeah, listen, look at this course. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I will support you if you want to do it. Literally supported me to do it. Um, and I think that to me, how people can find these things is, yes, Google is overwhelming and whatnot, but if you are For whoever's listening, if you are in philanthropy, feel free to begin with just following, even if it's looking at, say, my posts and one thing stands out to you, you can just click on it and let that be the domino. Um, And not having to overwhelm yourself with research every day, but find your few teachers that you feel you can lean on and let those be the dominoes that fall into others. I can be one of them. So. Happy to share resources.
1: I like it. I like it. Good tips. They were nearing nearing the end. Is, is there any um things that you wanted to touch on that we haven't touched on so far?
2: I think there's a lot, right? <laughs> <That's>
3: a lot. <laughs> we can oh always do a We can
0: do a part two, but I just saw this. Oh, it can't oh, even like... be seen. It's a post, it's a, it's a pouch, it's a pouch, a pencil pouch that says move at the speed of trust. Okay. Adrian Marie Brown. Adrian Marie Brown is a wonderful scholar, facilitator, and writer. And that quote, move at the speed of trust, is something I deeply value. And I think that to me speaks to, you know, that Web3 wants to build on trust. And build communities of trust Um, but sometimes I feel that we're not moving at the speed of trust in this movement, we are moving at the speed of output and production and and sometimes simply speculative profit and. I recognize that each of us has different motives in engaging in any enterprise or any new movement and at the same time, if this is something that is to last leave a legacy of you know, new ways of working, new ways of sharing power, then moving at the speed of trust is inher- is important and critical in building in Web3. I, And that includes to me being clear about our purpose in the different communities that we are part of, the DAOs, the Twitter feeds, the discords, I think we have to start. I like to say, I hope we're starting with purpose more than we are the product. Um, and and that's just what I want to leave with, with people is what is your purpose or what is your why? Um, or are you simply there to facilitate and expedite the product at the expense of trust and purpose? I
1: like that. Move at the speed of trust. Slightly slower than the speed of light, but it's yes. worth it. How can people connect with you online? If, if, if you want people to connect with you or you, yes. sweet, or any DAOs or anything you can recommend.
0: Connect with me, especially those people that are have a lot of money and are philanthropists and are
3: wonder- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm,
0: on, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn with my name NJOKI space M-B-U-R-U. And I'm also on Twitter, at underscore D-U-A-R-A. Mm-hmm. Those are the two mean mostly on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter once in a while.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Probably one of the few Web3 people that aren't super active on Twitter. Your yeah. social media platform of choice is LinkedIn.
3: <laughs> what's that oh,
1: what's that what's that yeah yeah i think my yeah i was gonna make a linkedin joke but maybe next time next um time. Cl- closing question though just just to kind of leave people with a, a message uh, what what excites you about the future of kind of web 3 in the kind of the field that you're in
3: mm.
0: Oh my goodness
1: excite Uh, or scared like something some emotion related to the the future
3: yeah
0: i feel that what excites me really is oh really to me is around the discussions on power and money that and how how different the world how different my society here And hopefully at scale, the world would look when we are better able to share power and.
3: Move, yeah, that's
0: the word, and move capital with ease, with trust at the center of it and and with. um, Like, especially that part where you can't change the record immutable ways of moving capital. That part I'm so excited because I think it'll make a difference in how and where we choose to invest in our freedom and in our
3: our farmers and our our food security and food justice systems.